Thank you, Lord. I think, too, it's, it's really cool that I wanted to just encourage Byron and everybody here that you guys have been that. I think for Jonathan, but for me as well, just what you were, you were talking about, because you were the first church that uh, was brave enough to invite my barbarian group of gypsy musicians to come and ramsack your Sunday morning service. And I'm like, man, th- if this church is inviting us here to do this on a Sunday morning... They're pretty cool. They're going for some stuff. And, and you guys just um, allowing, trusting the Lord to, to bring something and just giving me a, a place to speak. I really, it means a lot. You guys are walking in what you're saying. So that's the deal. But anyways, I can tend to talk a lot, so I'm going to hurry up and get going. The name of my sermon this morning is either... Uh, the Gospel According to Lemony Snicket, or Stephen's in big trouble because I'm at the first church of a million babies, and, and the name of my sermon is Bearing Fruit. <laughs> oh, help me, Lord. So, uh, Father, help me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right but um but it is uh the the stuff i have I, I kept just asked the lord um father what do you what do you have for for your church in mooresville that that you love so much and continually all week like just every time i would just go to the lord and and, and seek him and plus just things going on in my own life he would just start talking to me about bearing fruit and about the process of bearing fruit and and what it really means to bring forth fruit and um, I got so much that I, I don't know Ray Hughes always tells me um, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist camp I know I know what I'm here to do but I don't know where to start you know <laughs> so uh, that's kind of where I'm at <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so. But um, one thing God has been doing in my own life lately is that um, He's really bringing me to a place where I don't want to just do stuff anymore. I don't, I don't want to just do stuff. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just do ministry stuff anymore. I've done enough of that. I've, I've been walking with the Lord about eight years, and... Um, I've traveled everywhere playing percussion for different people, doing studio session work for people all over the country. And um, I have my own band, you know, that we've been going out and playing in bars and playing in churches and coffee shops and places. And um, I've started to speak. I'm running a business. I'm learning to be a good husband. And I mean, there's, just, there's just all this stuff. And, and, and finally, I was just like... Wait a minute, wait a minute. This this whirlwind is getting crazy and the and the Lord really just began to call me back to this secret place and to just call me back unto himself. And he began to cut away a lot of things and he began to really call me to be cautious in the opportunities that I take and not 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 just to um to take everything that that came up to me. Um he told me one time a few years ago. He said, "Stephen, if you let your talent guide where your life takes you you'll go all over the world and you'll travel everywhere but you may or may not find my best for you 
you know, and so that at that point, it, it, it really just started churning in me. Lord, I want the inheritance that you have for my life. I want to walk in the promises that you have for me. I want to live out the dreams that you've placed in me. I want to do that for what you have called me to do. I want to strip away the fat. I want to strip away the excess. And I want to walk in that thing that grips me to do that if I don't accomplish in this earth, I'm just going to die of starvation or something, you know, and... So, um, anyway, it takes me to John 15, and I'm going to read the, uh, the first eight verses of that. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I am him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. And this is the verse. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. If we could just meditate on that for 24 hours, just walk around and let nothing else go on in, in our minds, but the Father is glorified when my life bears fruit. The Father is glorified. It is the Father's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. It is the Father's good pleasure to see the prosperity of His servants. The Father is glorified when my life bears much fruit. If we start believing that, myself included, I think we'll, start, we'll change the way we live quite a bit. Because I believe that God desires to bring us to the place where our lives will bear so much fruit we can't do anything but give it all away because we don't have any room to put it, you know? And um, so I wanted to um, look at how we bear fruit because um, a lot of things that I've done have, have borne vegetables instead of fruit and a few weeks ago the lord the lord gave me this really intense prophetic dream about the church and just briefly in this dream i walked into this sanctuary and this sanctuary was getting the carpet ripped up and they were putting down this new royal purple carpet and there was these balcony seats all over the place. And there were these chairs on the walls that I knew were for angels to sit in in these services. And the host of heaven were facing all four directions as they were sitting up here. And I'm walking in this sanctuary and my whole being starts trembling. And I saw that they brought this podium up and the podium was silver. And they started bringing all these chairs behind it and the chairs were silver, just the purity of the word coming forth. And I looked and these servants were bringing these banqueting tables, these tables, four tables that were like pillars in this church. And the tables had four ascending levels on them that got narrower as they went toward the sky. 
And I knew that these tables were meant to hold the fruit of the Spirit. That, that the Lord was bringing this fruit. And there were different levels. You could eat from this big wide level or you could go up or you could go up or you could reach to the highest, most narrow level and pick that fruit and eat it. And I ran out of the sanctuary weeping just like so shaking. I mean literally in, as this experience was happening and I ran down the hall outside and I went into this cafeteria area and there's this band plugging up to play, you know, and I didn't I don't think they were worshiping, it was just this band playing some music, you know, and and beside them they had this huge thing of vegetables. All this like huge vegetables and I, I went up, you know, and I got it and it was like hot. It was just for the moment. It was hot. You had to eat it now. And and so I went over and I ate some baked potatoes and some black eyed peas and some green beans and all this stuff. And I went over and I tried to plug into the sound system and I got nothing but feedback. And I couldn't plug in. And so Marta was actually in the dream and, and I went and, and I was weeping and I was, I was sitting beside Marta and I was saying, oh, oh. And, you know, she's asking me what's going on. And, and, I, and I said to her in the dream, I said, all this other music, all this other stuff is available but there has to be a sacrifice because if 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 I give, if we give this up if we give these other things up these good things and we go after what God is God we're going to bear the fruit of his kingdom and and so I don't want to just do seasonal vegetable things anymore I want to do those things that that are fruitful so a couple of days after I have this dream, I'm at home and the Lord says, um, get on Morningstar's Word of the Week, get on their website, check out their Word of the Week. I can't remember the last time I've done that. It's probably been a year or two at, at the... And I get on there and Rick Joyner, has, he's been studying the fruit of the land. And, uh, and this one was called Faithfulness, the, the one that, uh, that, I, that I read. And it said, this highlighted part, it says, Fruit grows on trees, not on small plants. A small plant may sprout and produce vegetables in a single season, but a fruit tree takes years to develop before it will bear fruit. And that is why we are told it takes faith and patience to inherit the promises. One reason there is so little true fruit of the Spirit in the body of Christ today is because of the lack of faithfulness. Faithfulness is demonstrated by endurance over time until fruit is produced. And so I got that word in me and that messed me up and it's still messing me up. <laughs> so, but I began to ask the Lord, well, what is fruit? You know, we use these terms, right? Well, what, what truly is fruit then? And because we always hear things like, you will know them by their fruit, and then they say, the fruit of your lips and the fruit of their doings. I will repay them to the fruit of their doings. And of course, he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, and you guys have obeyed that. Um, but practically, what is it that fruit, that fruit symbolizes? And I just wrote down a couple of things, and I put, um, fruit is what our lives bring forth. It's what we give birth to in the earth. It can be our dreams and our visions made reality. It can be the good works that we've been created to do. Um, I like this one. Fruit is the tangible 
tangible evidence of an inward reality. It's the character and the fruit of the Spirit inside of who God creates us to be. Fruit is the legacy we leave behind. It's the mature expression of what we sow into others. We can often see fruit of what we've sown into others the way parents do to children, ministers to a church, a husband to a wife. It's fruit is what we contribute to the earth. And then I put fruit is what others pluck from our lives and take into themselves for nourishment. Fruit is the evidence of our walk with God. Jesus said, by bearing much fruit, you will know that you are my disciples. And so, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but the, the process of doing that is pretty crazy and it can be painful. And uh, so I want to turn to Luke 8.15 or the power deal, whatever, however y'all do it. But um, that's all right. But um, so Luke 8.15 and that's right in the middle of, um, of Jesus' parable about sowing the seed. And starting in verse 11, Jesus is explaining this parable to his, his guys. And he says, Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear... Receive the word with joy, and these have no, no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it. And bear fruit with patience. And that just struck me so hard. And I just, I started praying, Lord, may my heart be good ground. Lord, I want to hear your word with a noble and a good heart. And I want to keep your word. I want to keep the prophetic promises you've given to my life. I want to keep the word of God. I want to keep those dreams and those promises that, that you have given me. I want to hold on to them. And I, and I don't want to let go. I don't want to grow weary. Because I've been walking with you for X number of years and I haven't seen the fulfillment of the things that you've put in my heart. I want to keep going. I don't care. I get plagued with discouragement. The enemy lies to me the same way he lies to all of us. But Lord, I choose in the face of all the craziness and of all of the stuff that seems so opposite of what you've promised me. In the face of that, I want to keep your word and I want to bear much fruit with patience that you will be glorified, God. And so that just, that just turned around in me. Lord, I want to be good ground. I want to hear with a noble and a good heart. And I want to keep your word and bear fruit with patience. And so one of the things that really uh, kind of messed with me again on this one is that he says, the ones that fell on good ground. And um, he's talking about the seed that was planted in good ground. And the Lord said to me, one of the things about bearing fruit is that you have to first be planted. And so, to go along with that little statement, Lilo Keller from uh, 
Switzerland, she says, she remarks how the gypsies were some of the most wonderful, interesting, and gifted people. But there is not one single case in history of a gypsy making a significant contribution to art, science, or culture. The reason for this was because they never settled down in one place so as to start a window cleaning business, get married, <laughs> and sink roots deep enough to bear significant fruit. <laughs> the same is true of many Christians. They can be extremely gifted, but they drift about... Oh, they drift about so much that their roots are never able to go deep enough to bear significant fruit. And probably about five years ago, five or six years ago, the Lord began to call me, Stephen, stop sleeping on couches. Stephen, stop going with every ministry that calls your name. Stephen, stop doing this. I want you to go back to Greensboro and die in the desert, is what I thought he said. (laughs) Lord, there's nothing but religion there, and I have no friends there, and I don't like it, and I'm not going because that's the devil talking to me. (laughs) Stephen, I want you to go back to Greensboro. Yes, go back to that church that kicked you out and all that other stuff and deal with your mess and keep going. All right. Six months later, I went. Because I had a dream. And in this dream, I was walking through this desert, and I was on this high plateau. And I could see all across the desert, everywhere. But I I couldn't figure out how to get off of this plateau that I had gotten myself up on. And finally, there was this arrow pointing down. And I was like, well, okay. So I walked down, and I'm in the desert. And I'm walking across the desert. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the desert, I begin to hear all these radio airwaves coming on. And it's like there's a radio inside my head coming on the wind of the desert. And all of a sudden, I hear this thing. It's like these scientists speaking. And they're saying, this doesn't make sense. Uh, we, this is a supernatural phenomenon. But uh, it, th- this plush garden has, has just been discovered in the middle of the desert. And, and as this radio thing was going on, and they're debating and talking about how did this... How did this thing happen in the middle of this desert place? I realize I'm walking up on this place. And I walk up in the middle of the desert to this garden with rivers flowing through it and trees growing everywhere and this fruit and these vegetables and all this stuff, these plants growing everywhere. And I walk in and if you guys have ever been mountain climbing and you get around the rhododendrons and the waterfall, you just smell that air, you know. And so I started smelling that air in the dream and just feeling that. And I'm like, whoa. And I looked over and Jesus had dug this foundation where he was building something. And he was standing there smiling at me. And he said, I've already dug it for you. Come on. And so I, I, I went. <laughs> After that dream, I went. And as soon as I went back is when I met Jonathan and Melissa. And uh, the Lord spared me from, from death in the desert. And uh, shortly after that, I met Sarah, my beautiful wife, who loves me a bunch, and I love her a bunch. And that's how this whole crazy journey started, of, of being planted somewhere, and, and cultivating, and ripping limbs off, and pruning, and, oh, and all this stuff. But I'm still a gypsy at heart, so leave me alone. But, uh... So, I'm just going to throw this stuff aside, if you don't mind, when I get... um, 
But there, you know, there's a lot of patiently waiting time. And I asked myself the question recently, what do you do in the times of patiently waiting? And this is just really quickly, it's not on my regular notes, but it's a, a verse that I found the other day that I thought was really cool. It's Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. And it just says, I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. And give him no rest until he establishes and he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And I just put, God has given us prophecies, hopes, promises, dreams that we hold dear to our hearts. God says to give him no rest until he establishes these things in the earth. How diligent have I been in praying into reality the promises of God? Have I been like a watchman, seeking, looking without fail? Or have I passively sat back, increasingly getting frustrated, not seeing anything happen, and giving way to a faithless attitude? But, um, so Lord, I, I, want to, I want to be like a watchman on the wall. Woo. Patiently. <laughs> <laughs> but um where am I at here, yeah. So but along the way the Lord gave me a couple of warnings, especially in the times of waiting. Because when we're waiting for these promises and this fruit to come forth in our lives, for these things to be born, two things tend to happen. We either start getting anxious and so we start striving out of a spirit of unrest and why well, just gotta you know and so we start doing a bunch of religious things that just are dead works or we just lose our faith and we're like nothing's ever going to happen god will do it if he plans on doing it and both of those are wrong and uh he says in um what was the verse again hebrews 11 or hebrews hebrews um Whatever, we, we bear it with faith and patience, just the waiting. Um, but it's an active waiting. It's not being sluggish. And, um, and so one of the lessons the Lord had begun to teach with, to me was to beware of premature fruit. Beware of distractions. Beware and cautious about this premature fruit. And again, back in Luke, the parable, he says, the ones... The ones that fell on thorns... No, wait a minute, I'm sorry. The ones who fell on the rock, the seed that fell on the rock, are those when they hear, they receive the word with joy, but they have no root. And they believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. And the Lord was just warning me about premature fruit. He said, let your roots go down deep. One of my favorite little obscure verses is... Um, that goes with that is it's Second Kings 19:30, and I'm going to read it to you because I think it's I think it's for you guys as well as for me. But Second Kings 19:30, it says, "Plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them." Actually, I'm going to start here in verse 29. You shall eat this year such as grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow and reap. Plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah 
shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Those of the house of Judah, the house of praise, the worshipers unto the Lord, shall take root in the secret place, in the hidden ground where nobody but you and God sees what's going on. You will take root downward and you will again bear fruit upward. And one thing that was really cool, and, and Sally, you might actually remember this, but about five years ago, I, I played with Sally and Elijah at this uh, church in Charlotte. And I thought it was one of the most random things I'd ever done. But there was this prophet guy there, and he called me up and he gave me this prophetic word. And I, was, I admit, my heart was like, oh, no, <laughs> no, this, this isn't happening. But he recorded this prophetic word that he gave to me. And he said, I see that your life, you've just been trying to bear fruit. And that the, that the, the stem would come out from the earth and all of a sudden something would stomp it down. And then in the next season, it would try to come up again and something would stomp it down again. It would try to come up again and it would stomp it down again. But he was like, every time that that crushing happened, your roots just continue to go deeper in God. And your roots went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And one day, God is going to bring, bring something forth in such a strength and with such a fruit that it's not going to be crushed, but it's going to bear fruit. During the process of all this, I started looking through some of my old tapes, and I found that thing and put it, put it in like a month ago and listened to that, and I'm like, oh, God, Shonda Roti, you and, and I was like, wow, that crazy guy was for real. Uh, you know? So when y'all at home doing the same thing about me, just listen to it four years from now and y'all will know it. I'm just kidding. But again, from the house of Judah, they shall take root downward and bear fruit upward. So with all of this stuff, I started, I started um, really studying fruit. And one good thing about owning a window cleaning business is that when the Lord wants you to go and speak at a church somewhere, He makes it rain for two days the week before, so you get to stay at home and study all day. And so Sarah and I were at home, and she didn't know any of this that, I was, that I was, I'm talking about now, about the fruit, that I've been studying fruit. I've been in our little worship room and stuff, just going after God, and she's been in the other room going after God. We're both having our time with the Lord. And then we come in the kitchen to be together, and she says, The Lord gave me this verse this morning... And I don't know what it's about, um, or I don't fully have the interpretation of it. And I was like, well, what, what is it? Let's, let's take a little gander. And uh, she said, well, it's Leviticus 19.23. So we open it up, and here's what it says. When you come into the land and have planted all kinds of trees for food, then you shall count their fruit as uncircumcised. Three years it shall be as uncircumcised to you. It shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, a praise to the Lord. And in the fifth year, you may eat its fruit, that it may yield to you its increase. I am the Lord your God. She said, do you have any idea what that means? And I'm sitting here going, uh, well... And it's just crazy. It was really encouraging to me that, that the Lord was speaking that to us. So I started looking it up, and I found these commentaries 
Jonathan gave me this little computer that I love. It's like one and a half possibility, uh, possibility of gigabytes or something. So what I usually do is I crank the thing up and then I go take a shower, eat breakfast, and come back and it's about ready to go. <laughs> and uh, I turn it on and I get my little Bible program going. And I started reading these commentaries on that verse and listen to some of this stuff. It says... Um, by plucking off the first early fruit, they kept that premature fruit from hindering further fruitfulness. That fruit was not used for God or man, but in the fourth year, when the fruit truly began to come forth edible, it was given to God as a thank offering, giving God the first and the best. Every gardener will teach us not to let fruit trees bear in their earliest years, but to pluck off the blossoms that they will thrive all the better and bear more abundantly afterwards. Israel sanctified their enjoyment of the fruit, giving the first ripe fruit to God in thanksgiving. They did not actually eat of the fruit themselves until the fifth year. Then because of their care not to eat the first little signs of fruitfulness, not to go wandering all over the world playing percussion in every ministry, not wandering all over the place doing my own thing, but plucking those things off, the little distracting good things that steal away the best that God wants to bring forth in a time of waiting and patience and faith and diligence to go forth. Plucking all those good things off, not getting distracted by the detours and the sidetracks, but setting, my face, setting your face toward the promises God has given you. It allows, it cre it's almost like a fast. It creates a space for God to do it. And you don't end off in limbo somewhere wondering what's going on well we do that sometimes too when we're on the right track but that's a different sermon but it says that is why it is important to be careful of premature success and to cultivate patience as we await the promises and the callings of God to find fruition we should be bearing fruit and maturing but if we are in another stage of the process let that be okay rest in God he's the great gardener um And there's um, one experience I had, I'll share really briefly, of when I ran off. Because I, I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to branch out anymore unless my branches have fruit on the end of them. I've branched out about as much as I want unless there's fruit that somebody can pick off of that branch, you know. I'd rather stay at home and worship in my closet. Because I love that place better than anywhere. But in... I think it was 1996, I got in a VW bus with a New Ager and a Hindu, and I took off out west, running from everything, every mess I had created, and my sister gave me a Bible before I left. And on this trip, I really encountered the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to go into all that, or we'll be here till three. But we, we went out west, and we ended up in this little small nowhere town, and I went into a thrift shop... <laughs> And I found this book, and I read, I started reading, it was all about this woman who had found fame, and she had found riches, and she had found all this stuff, but she didn't have love, and her life was miserable, because the deeper things of life she hadn't got, she had just flown to the top, or whatever, without cultivating these deeper things in her heart. I thought it was cool, but I didn't understand that the Lord was speaking to me, and six years later, um, I was on one of my random 
ministry excursions with, with something that really wasn't the heart and the best that God had for me to do, but I went because it, it seemed like this good thing. And when I was out there really feeling unrest that I wasn't where God had called me to be, on the way to go to where we were ministering, we passed by that little uh, thrift shop that was still there in that town. And all of a sudden, that story came back to me. And that put the fear of God in me. That I did not want to chase after these things, but I wanted my roots to go deep. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, um, moving on. I have one more scripture to share. Probably more than that. But um, this is Revelation 2, 2 through 7. And I'll read it. This is um, the Lord talking to the Ephesian church. And He begins to encourage them, saying, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, You've tested those who say they're apostles and they're not, and you've found them liars. You have persevered and have had patience. You have labored for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. All the things of bearing, all the characteristics of bearing fruit. They didn't grow weary. They've been patient. They've been diligent. But one thing I have against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else your lampstand is is going to lose its light. But, he says, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes doing all of these useless kind of good works without the intimacy of my spirit, this is what you get. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. How awesome is that? When we overcome just doing these good works in our own strength, but that we cultivate the intimacy with God so that those good works that we're called to do come out as, as, as done with intimacy with Him. We actually not only get to plant the tree and all that other stuff, but we get to um, eat of the tree of life. And that's what, that's what I want to go for. And, and that's what I believe the promise of God is. So two last little things in closing. Um, is that... Um, in 1 Kings 21, 2 and 3, there's this guy named Naboth, because I don't speak Hebrew. And Abraham is the king, I mean Ahab is the king. And uh, listen to this. Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden. Give me your eternal inheritance, that I may have it for a temporary fulfillment. Because it's near. Because it's convenient. It's right next to my house. For I will give you a vineyard better than it. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. I'll give you a better vineyard. If you just forsake the inheritance that God has for you, for convenience and for temporary satisfaction... I'll give you something better. And, this guy, and he says, or if it seems good to you, I'll give you its worth in money. So what is he saying? Convenience, money, 
all of those temporary satisfactions. If you just give me the inheritance of God, I'll give you this. Bow down and worship me, and I'll give it to you now. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to live that life. You can have it now. Isn't it always about that? And I'm tired of going for the now. I really, I'm not there yet. I'm able to speak this stuff to you because it's what God's working in my heart right now. It's not because I've got it, you know. But, so he says, uh, Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And when Ahab realized that Naboth wasn't going to give it to him, his wife Jezebel came on the scene and devised a scheme to take it. That's my translation. How did she do it? She gave Naboth a false high seat of honor among the people, the praise of man. She set him high among the people. And then when he was in that seat of honor that she had deceived him with, she killed him. We must receive only the high seats of honor which the Lord appoints to us. Accusation is always the flip side of man's praise or flattery. The Lord's inheritance is a vineyard, not a vegetable garden. And how that ties in with the gospel according to Lemony Snicket is because all throughout the movie of Lemony Snicket, it was really interesting, the guys we hear that had the house, at the beginning of that movie, their house was burned down. And these children are wandering around. And through the whole movie, there's this enemy who's, he's an actor. If you've seen it, who's seen the movie, you know? It's like Jim Carrey. I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. Deeply prophetic. But uh, so, so he's chasing them around trying to steal their inheritance. The entire movie, he's trying to steal their inheritance. And finally, his main plan to steal the inheritance away from them after he burned their house down and sent them on all this random stuff that he chased them, coming to them in all these different forms, his plan was to, the only way he could get to the inheritance was if, they mar- if, if the girl married him. If she married herself to the enemy's purposes. And that's, you know, we all know that it didn't happen. She didn't marry herself to his lies and his delusions. But, and the inheritance of the kids remained theirs. And so the last scripture to leave us with is Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a plant, like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit." Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. He'll be planted. His roots will spread out. He won't fear, but his leaves will be green. He won't be anxious when he doesn't see fruit. And he won't stop yielding fruit. And I believe that that's, that's the Lord's invite. is just to cultivate that in us. That he really wants us to go for the fruit. So I'm going to pray or if you got something. Uh, this really is the Lord. Victoria uh, Vogels um, really nailed me this week. Um, 
I, I deal with so many of the exact same things as Stephen does. Being a musician, there's always more opportunities than really we should be taking. But um, I, on Wednesday, I was walking, I was going out to do chapel at MCA, and Victoria was sitting in here, and I walked in here. And I didn't know she was in here. She said, oh, Andy, she said, that's so funny that you're here because I had a dream about you. In this dream, you were standing in this orchard, and it was filled with fruit, and you were surrounded by fruit. And this was fruit that you had borne, but, but the fruit was crab apples. And if you know anything about crab apples, they're, they're bitter. You, they look good on the outside, but, they, um, uh, but, but they're not good to eat. And, uh, and I was really confused by that word because the Lord has been speaking a lot of stuff to me about about music and what my place in is with music um and my question about the dream or that vision was answered the following night and i had a dream and i was in a city i was in the city of god and in the city it was ragged um but what happened was i was walking in this courtyard and all of a sudden the song of the lord came on me and i started singing come thou fount of every blessing tune my heart to sing thy grace and what happened was the whole host of heaven opened up and started singing with me and i started weeping in convulsions this great joy this it was everything that i've ever dreamed about doing music for why, why I do music, that was that thing, and that was the Lord really responding um, and showing me the dreams that he had planted in my heart. So I, I just wanted to say that because I think there's, it's, it's more than just music. It's whatever you have going on in your life. It's the things that the Lord has uh, planned for you. So I really would ask you to respond this morning and, and let Stephen pray for you, and I'd like to pray for some folks myself because I feel like the Lord has given me the same thing. Um, so do you want to have them go over there, or how do you want to do that? What I wanted to is anybody else in here feel like, you know, what Stephen has shared is something God has, has done in your life? Has anybody got that? Marlon, you've got that? All right, I want you all to, the guys who raise their hand, come up here with Stephen. All right, this is going to be our uh, ad hoc ministry team, okay? Yeah. And what we're going to do, if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, okay, and I believe the Lord's speaking, you come out here and have one of these guys to lay hands on you and pray for you about your calling, about your whatever that's going on in your life, your marriage, you know, your children, promises over children. Good Lord, who <laughs> wouldn't want you know, God to help us in that area? Uh, but I really want to encourage you that God's speaking to us this morning. Marlon said he wanted to say something. The word that he just gave out, um, this morning I was praying, the Lord gave me the exact same word, like almost verbatim. And I mean, the Lord said to me personally, said, well, you're still young and you're still growing, you know, and you need to give yourself a chance to take root deep, okay, your roots to grow really deep, okay, so that whatever fruit you bear, I'm the harvest, I'll come harvest the fruit, you know. So just to encourage you, it is really the Lord. And again, I wanted to say this, we really are in our hearts, and we struggle with this, we're committed to, you know, that word organic, you know, like an organic garden, real stuff of trying to be real and not trying to produce something that's not real. And I find there's a war against you to do that. You know, there's a war on a personal level. It's definitely a war in the church world, you know, trying to, well, we want to be real here. We don't want to, we want everything that we do is to be organic and real, and we fight against all that other stuff constantly. And it's hard to do, and we don't always succeed at it. I know that, but 
But I just believe the Lord is wanting to help us this morning. So if you feel the Lord speaking to you this morning, we would like for you to come up and, and as we uh, play some music and just be ministered to. Let the Lord touch you and, and help you and comfort you and do all the things that the Holy Spirit does. So, and if, you know, otherwise, if you want to leave, you can feel free to leave. If you just want to sit here and worship and pray and have an enjoyable time, fellowship and whatever. So this is my official, okay, we're done. We're just going to minister and be in before the Lord for now. And so you can do whatever you want to do. Amen. So come on right now if you want prayer.